Well, I suppose it would not be a stretch for you to imagine that it's uh, good for me to be here. Um, it is an honor to be here, uh, to be able to stand in a place where my son stands and ministers the Word of God to you each week, and what, uh, what a privilege it would be. And somebody asked me earlier, are you going to be telling any tales on Ryan? And uh, my response was, he's probably going to speak at my funeral, so no. <laughs> but if, even if he does speak at my funeral, he'll probably tell a few tales on me, and that will be okay. But uh, it's also a privilege to be here for another reason. Um, I work as an area minister with American Baptist Churches of Indiana, Kentucky, and so as a consequence of that... I rub shoulders with uh, a lot of different pastors and visit a lot of different churches. I'm in a different church every Sunday. And so I get to experience uh, the ways that congregations come together on that uh, most important uh, moment of the week on Sunday morning with, when they lift up their, their voices and uh, they gather to worship. And um, I have to say to you that I... Every time I come here, I don't want to leave. Uh, I sort of feel like Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'd just like to camp out right here at Broadway. Uh, and uh, I say that to you because I'm in a lot of different places, and you're, you may be here every Sunday. And one of the problems that we have as human beings is that we get used to the things that we get used to. And in the process of uh, that getting used to, we, we fail to see oftentimes the beauty or the glory of the, or the, or the uh, wonder of what God has graced us with. And um, so um, I want to say to Broadway Christian Church, don't take what you have for granted. You are a blessed congregation in many, many ways. And uh, um, so it's, it's good to be here for more reasons than just the one uh, that you might think is obvious. I love to visit Broadway and worship with you. I want to begin this morning by uh, telling you about the, a man named Henry Light. And maybe some of you will, will know, know who he is and maybe some of you don't. Uh, the testimony that's been shared with, uh, with, uh, uh, about Henry is this. It's been stated that only the person who can face the prospect of death realistically is able to live this life with purpose and confidence. And that was said of Henry Light. Uh, this testimony goes on like this. Uh, throughout his lifetime, he was known as a man frail in body, but strong in faith and spirit. His health was continually threatened by asthma and tuberculosis. Despite his physical frailties, he was a tireless worker and an established reputation, uh, with an established reputation as a poet, musician, and minister. It goes on to say this, for the, for the last sermon with his parishioners on September 4th, 1847, it's recorded that Light nearly had to crawl to the pulpit, and his message came as from a dying man. His final words made a deep impact upon his people when he said that it was his desire to induce you to prepare for the solemn hour which must come to all by a timely appreciation and dependence on the death of Christ. 
Henry lived his entire life in the shadow of death, and it was impressed upon him because of his weakness and his frailty. If we're to be honest, in our more brilliant moments, we all realize that we are living within the shadow of death all the time. And whether or not we have robust energy or whether we're wheeled out of church on a, on a gurney, we are all just so frail. And we need something day by day to lift us up. We need something to make us realize how strong we are, but not in our own strength. One of the hymns that Henry wrote, and you'll recognize it right away, goes like this. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, oh, abide with me. I need thy presence every passing hour. What but thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who, like thyself, my guide and stay can be? Through cloud and sunshine, O Lord, abide with me. Hold thou thy word before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom and point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks and earth's vain shadows flee. In life, in death, O Lord, abide with me. That's right. Henry Light was the author of this great hymn, Abide with me. And essentially he says it's God's presence that carries us. Where would we be without God's presence? Where would we be? There's a passage of scripture that we're looking at this morning that talks of that. It's from John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, we read these words beginning at verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father. And I will love them and reveal myself to them. Let's pray. Lord, what a gracious and wonderful thing you've given us by your presence. You walk with us. You accompany us. You promise us so many things. Help us, Father, for these few moments this morning to be open in a, in a new or a renewed way to your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this thing's not working, I guess. Ah, 
You know, I have, I have a word that I like to say about uh, computers and things. I think that in the providence of God, all things electronic will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone. <laughs> cannot, cannot tell you how many times I've depended upon something electronic and ended up, you know, with a red face. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Jesus said... I will not leave you orphaned. What a, what a powerful and terrifying word that word orphan is. To be abandoned. To be lost. To be without any protection or any light or any guidance. To be orphaned. No doubt some of you at one point in your life were an orphan or maybe you've come alongside orphans and you recognize in a very strong way what Jesus is saying right here when he says, I will not leave you orphaned. It's a frightening word because of the condition that it indicates or points to. But we're not on our own, Jesus says. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I am going to be with you. The Heidelberg Confession says it so well. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Broadway, you do not belong to yourself, but you're not orphaned. You belong to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That hymn, Abide With Me, was inspired by that wonderful story in Luke 24 of the Emmaus Road experience. And you can recall that, that time, that context in which two of the disciples of Jesus are walking to Emmaus. And they're confused. They're lost. They knew, or maybe they had even seen Jesus crucified. The one that they loved, their mentor, their teacher, their shepherd. And they saw him crucified. But now word is trickling back. There are rumors in the air that this Jesus is no longer dead. He has risen and he's walking among them. And as these two disciples are trying to sort all that out, a third person comes alongside them and begins to talk to them and says, what are you talking about? And they tell them the story of, of, of the crucifixion and, and now these stories of Jesus being seen again. And he begins to open to them the scriptures and to share with them about what the scriptures have said all along that this, this one Jesus would have to be crucified and he would have to come again and he would be risen and as they're coming along and they, they start to get to a place where they'll stop, it says that they say to Jesus in verse 29 of Luke 24, they urged him strongly, stay with us. Stay with us because it's almost evening and the day is now nearly over. And listen to this. So he went in to stay with them. Did you hear that? Jesus went in to stay with them. Earlier he'd promised, I'll not leave you orphaned. 
They felt orphaned until this time came when they saw the risen Jesus. And now he says, I'm here to stay with you. I'm here to abide with you. That fulfillment, that is the fulfillment of, of the promise that Jesus gave in John 14. He says, I will come to you. And in our day, and in, in their day, then after the resurrection, that fulfillment was completely, that fulfillment was, uh, uh, that promise was fulfilled. He came to abide with them by the Holy Spirit. We have that today. We live in that same season that these disciples lived in as they're walking down the road to Emmaus. And I'm sure that some of you are like those two disciples. Walking along trying to figure out what in the world is going on. How are we going to get through this? How are we going to survive? We even survive when our quarterback resigns the day before football season starts. That's much deeper than that, obviously. How are we going to make it? 30 or so years ago, I was privileged to go to the Lausanne Conference on Evangelism in Manila, Philippines. And in that conference, there were many people from all over the country who gave a testimony of, of God's faithfulness and goodness. And there was one pastor named M.Y. Chan. He was a Chinese pastor. He was imprisoned in a labor camp. And they thought it would be a good idea for this uh, Chinese pastor to go and clean out the human cesspool. Then all the waste from the camp would collect in a, in a pit that was like two meters high. And they thought it'd be really, and then, and then, then it would be used for, for fertilizer. So they'd send this pastor out there to clean out the cesspool. But he says this. My captors thought it would be the best place for a Christian leader working in the human waste pit with a shovel in my hands. But I enjoyed working in the cesspool because I liked the solitude. In the labor camp, all the prisoners were under constant surveillance. None of us could be alone, but only when I worked in the cesspool could I be alone. Then I could pray to our Lord as loudly as I wanted. I could recite the scriptures and the Psalms of the Bible that I still remember. And no one would come close enough to me to protest. What is he saying? That no matter how difficult and no matter how, stench, how much stench there is in the world, there's a place. There's no place that the Spirit will not go with us. No place that the Spirit does not abide with his people. Wow. And so, and so, there we go. We're not orphaned because of his abiding presence. But what happens to us because we have this presence? There's a great deal of encouragement that comes. Great deal of encouragement that comes. We need to be encouraged in this world because sometimes we just want to walk away from it all, don't we? Sometimes it'd be like, you know, it'd just be good enough for us just to leave this place right now, just to get away from it and, and walk away. It's so overwhelming. Walter Johnson 
one of the greatest baseball pitchers, pitchers in, in baseball history. They determined that he had the fastest fastball. They looked at, you know, old videos and things like that. They didn't have speed radar back then. But they determined that Walter Johnson had the fastest fastball in baseball. And there was a rookie that went up to face Walter Johnson one time, and Walter reared back and threw the pitch and went right by the rookie. Strike one! And the rookie stepped out of the bat box for a minute and shook his head and got back up there. Walter reared back, threw a fastball right by him again. Strike two! And the rookie just walked away, started going over to the dugout and said, I've seen two. You can have the third one. I've had enough. <laughs> Sometimes we just feel like we've had enough. I've had enough. I'm done. But we need encouragement. In fact, the Holy Spirit, the word here means encourager, the paraclete, the one who's called alongside us. And so be, because we have his presence, we don't have electronics that work, but we have his presence. Ah, there we go. Because we have his presence, we're encouraged. We're encouraged. One who's called alongside us in the heat of the battle. You remember that Star Wars episode? When Obi-Wan Kenobi, who was Luke Skywalker's mentor, opened himself up and allowed himself to be killed. And Luke was, Luke was devastated in the heat of the battle to see his, his, his beloved teacher sacrifice himself seemingly for no reason. But then immediately after that, Luke heard his teacher's voice telling him to run. Run, Luke, run! It's a tremendous picture of what, our, what the Lord has done for us. He has laid aside his life so that he could come to us in his spirit. And his spirit speaks to us. Maybe not in a voice as clear as that was, but he speaks to us. He speaks to us and comes to us as the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we, there are some things that we just know for sure because of the Spirit of Jesus in us and what the, what the Spirit of, the, of God has given to us in His Word. We know that He's the way. We know that He's the way. You can have the greatest health and have, be full of vim and vigor, but you cannot get to heaven without the way. You can have more money in the largest bank account in town, but you cannot take it to heaven without the way. You can have all the degrees that you want on your wall and have the prestige that that may bring you, but you cannot take it to heaven unless you have the way. You can have the status and be admired and be famous, but you cannot get to heaven unless you have the way. The way. We can't get there without Jesus. He is the way. He's also the truth. The truth upon which we can hang our faith. And we can grip to that and lay hold of that. And walk in that with confidence. 
There's so many things that we're tempted to trust these days. Whether it's just those things I just talked about, our health or our wealth or our status or our education, so many things, or our, or our political status or whatever you want to, whatever you can hang on to, those things can all be taken away, friends. Just like that. But we need something true that lasts, that's an anchor to stand on. He's not only the way, but he's the truth. And he's the life. The very creator of life. The one who said that I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live. He's the one who created the entire universe out of nothing. He gave life to to this world and gives, has given life to us. And so it is no great feat for him to raise us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're encouraged because we know that one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And that the one who is the way, the truth, and the life walks with us just as he walked with those two disciples down the Emmaus Road. And that keeps us in the game. There's a book by Peter Berger called A Rumor of Angels, Modern Society and the Rediscovery of the Supernatural. And in the book, there's the story of a priest who worked in the slums. And that's a difficult assignment. And that priest would feel like walking away for sure from time to time. But there was somebody who one time asked him, why do you do it? Why do you stay in the gate? Why do you keep this, this ministry going here where it seems like there's hardly any results? Why? And he said this, so the rumor of God may not disappear completely. I make no mistake about it. God is more than a rumor. That's a figure of speech. But today, Lord, today people have lost that sense that there's at least a rumor that there's something more than living for this world. And may we be people who are faithful enough and strong enough in our faith and confidence in the Lord that we continue the path that we're on so that this idea of one who is the salt and the life, the light, though this idea of one who is the, the, the way, the truth, and the life will not disappear, and the people can be drawn to him through us. That's what he calls us to be. Those who don't draw people to us, but to him through us. We are simply those who point the way. The Spirit is the one who gives us the encouragement to do that. And so we are then, because we're encouraged, we can endure. And the church in North America in the 21st century now needs to realize it's our calling to endure. Because there are a lot of reasons given to us, and there are a lot of people who are saying we will not endure. It's our calling. It's our opportunity. To rise to an occasion unlike the world has ever seen for God's people to endure. And we can only do that when we realize the power and we tap into the power of the spirit of truth and the light and the wisdom that that spirit gives us. 
Why were those disciples so enthused and delighted to see Jesus or to recognize Jesus on the road to Emmaus? It's because that, in that moment, he opened up the scriptures to them. The scriptures. Jesus promised that he would give them the truth. He would give them light. You see, there's a difference between taking this book and reading it as a textbook. It's astounding what some people do with the Bible and distort it into something it's not. It's not about so many things that people live and die on. It's about giving us light. This word is here to give you light. It's the difference, difference between taking a, take, looking at it as a textbook and, take, and taking it into your prayer closet and saying, Lord, I need light for today. Last moments I had with my dad. He was in a bed and some, at caretaker's home and all the time I was there to see him, he never opened his eyes, but he was still aware and conscious of my presence. And you know, I was, didn't know what to say, but he had that Bible that he had sitting next to, that he preached from all his life, sitting on the table next to him. So I thought, can't go wrong with that. So I opened it up and I read a passage of scripture. I think it was the 23rd Psalm. One of the last things I heard my dad say was, that precious book. That's what we have. That's why we can endure. We've got something that has stood the test of time. And let's face it, sometimes life is, seems like it's just a guess. Do we go through number, door number one or door number two? But we depend on the one who is the spirit that's walking with us as we're enlightened by the word that he has given us to make a choice and to bless us and encourage us and direct us as we make those choices. And that gives us strength to go on. Just after my parents died, three months apart, rather as before my parents died three months apart my older brother's wife dissipated life had dissipated away through cancer from cancer and afterwards I heard him talking I don't know how I could have made it without the presence of God and there are people here who say the same thing God bless you because the presence of God is what carries us through those moments the disciples, they faced persecution, they faced death. They, they endured all of those things because of the Holy Spirit's enabling and encouraging ministry to them. Where would we be without the presence of God? Where would we be without that? In 1992, Derek Redmond was running the 400 meters in the semifinal in the Olympics. And he was leading. He could just taste that gold medal right before him. And suddenly something popped and his hamstring blew. And he stumbled to the ground. And other, the other runners obviously just ran right past him. And the entire stadium, however, was focused upon this crippled, broken runner who then starts to stagger 
towards the finish line. But up in the crowd, in the top of the stadium, somebody's making his way down to the, to the front. He jumps over the fence and passes by the police. And it's his father who runs out to him and says, Together, we'll finish the race. Broadway, together, together, with the Spirit of God accompanying us, we'll finish the race. Do we have something for which to praise our Lord? You bet we do. You bet we do. And we praise Him day in and day. We praised Him this morning. What a wonderful experience of praise and worship we've had. Right now, I want you to stand, and we're going to praise Him again as we sing this, this song that we've sung before, the doxology. Please sing it as you're praising the one who walks with us. Praise God.